hope and pray that opportunity, Lord, to be enlightened, to be directed by your word. Strengthen us in these few moments. Allow your word to illuminate our path and show us your way. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. You may be seated in the house of the Lord. Indeed, we're grateful to God for each of you who've come to share with us and for those who are joining us virtually. We say thank God for you for coming and watching our streams online, and we pray that you are blessed by what you will hear in the next few moments. We're going to a pretty familiar passage this morning. We'll be in Daniel chapter 3, and we're going to look at verses 12 through 17. Again, that's Daniel chapter 3, verses 12 through 17. I'll share something with you that I'm really excited and challenged. It challenged me in terms of what God had to speak through through his word on this morning. And I pray that you feel equally challenged and encouraged by the word that you should hear on this morning. Again, that's Daniel chapter 3, verses 12 through 17 from the English Standard Version. It reads like this. There are certain Jews whom you have appointed over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, pay no attention to you. They do not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. The Nebuchadnezzar, in furious rage, commanded that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought. So they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar answered and said to them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image that I have set up? Now, if you are ready, when you hear the sound of the horn, the pipe, the lyre, the trigon, the, par- the harp, the bagpipe, and every kind of music, to fall down and worship the image that I have made well and good. But if you do not worship, you shall immediately be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. And he will, somebody say he will, or say it like you mean it, he will deliver us out of your hand, O King. Amen. I want to share with you for a few moments from the idea, the concept really, of inner dependence. Inner dependence. The word is hyphenated because it's not a word of itself. But we're talking about being dependent upon something that is in you, that is working through you. Being dependent on something that God put in you that is working through you. 
When I looked at this text and God shared this idea with me, one of the first things I began to think about is that sometimes, if you, if for those of you who run, if you go running, every once in a while you go out there and you'll be running and suddenly, because we live in Tennessee and the weather is unpredictable, you'll go out there and all of a sudden you'll find yourself in the middle of a rain shower. It looked sunny and clear when you started, but before you finish, all of a sudden you're, you find yourself drenched by rain. And what I've come to learn and understand from that is sometimes if we knew that the rain was coming, we would not venture out. We would not go out to run. And sometimes that's how God allows things to happen in our lives. He allows us to encounter things that we didn't know was coming, but he knew all along was planned. He allows you to get out there. And you know what's, what happens once you're out there running? You have to keep running. You're out there now, so you have to run through it. So sometimes God puts us out there in situations where we do not see the peril or the storm that might be coming our direction because he knows once we're out there, we will have to run through it. And the reason he allows you to run through things that he did not show you, that he did not give you a preview, he did not let you know was coming because God understands that you are more resilient and you're more powerful and you're stronger than you think. And many times had you seen it coming, you never would have ventured out. You never would have tried. But God said, I allowed you to go out there. I allowed the storm to come because I knew you were powerful, you were strong, and you were resilient enough to come through it. And I know many of you in here, you're old enough to have gone through things that when it first came upon you, you didn't know how you were going to make it. When you lost, your finances were in such disarray and you lost your job or a spouse walked out on you or there was a death in your family and, and you encountered something that seemed too large and something that was too big. It's like God sent you out on a run, run and while you were running, you encountered a storm that seemed like it was insurmountable. But some way, somehow, you're still here this morning. Some hey, somehow you're you're still here. You have overcome that trial. You have overcome that tribulation. And what that should develop in you is trust and interdependence. That there's something working on the inside of me that helps me get through things uh, that I can't see my way through. There's something on the inside that's working through me. Remember, the, the, the glory of God is not of us, but it's in us. God has put something in us that powers us through situations that seem like they're impossible. Many of you, I, I, if you're old enough, you've done this. You, you've said that you're like, Lord, if this happens, I don't know what I can, would, would do. I don't know how I would make it. But then that happened. And you're still here. That happened and, and you... You haven't lost your mind. That happened and you're still holding on to your faith. I'm telling you, there's an interdependence working where you're beginning to understand that there's something more powerful in me. It's not because of who I am. It's not because of what I know. It's not because of any, any of my education or anything that I've earned. But it's only the power of God that's working in me. You have interdependence. You have something powerful in you that helps you through things that seem impossible. That had to be the, the story here with these Hebrew gentlemen. They find themselves in a place where they were not prepared for, a place where it seems like the, the moment was too much. And many times we shy away from moments that seem too large for us. But it seemed like the moment 
was too big. These, they, they were not important enough. They were not old enough. They were not at the right age. They didn't have the right experience, but yet they were taking a stand when nobody else would stand. And sometimes God puts you in situations because he knows you're the only one that'll do it. You, you don't feel like you're prepared, but God has strategically placed you there because you're the only one there who can make that stand. Sometimes we need to understand the power of God's positioning that, that maybe I'm here for a purpose. Maybe I, I'm working with people who have nasty attitudes for a purpose. Maybe God has dropped me in a situation with non-believers for, for a purpose. And instead of us saying that God doesn't have a plan, we need to understand that God is omniscient. He knows everything. God plans things in advance. God told the prophet before, you were formed in the belly. I knew thee. The same with us. God knew us. He knew not only what we, what we are, but he knows what we shall be. So he has placed you strategically in a position to be effective. And every now and then, he'll tell you something that does not seem to make sense to you. But you need to understand your position. It's not, that, it's not that I'm God has put me here to, to change the whole world, but maybe God has put me here to change where I am. Maybe God has put me here as a standard for somebody else who's watching me and needs to see a biblical example in their everyday life. We need to be careful about our position because sometimes we get so caught up in our emotions that we can usurp and give up the position that God has laid out for us. These men, they take this stand. Nobody else stands with them. And then sometimes God puts you in a place where nobody else will stand up with you. Puts you in a place where he's testing your faith to see if you have enough trust in him, even if you have to stand by yourself. The phrase out there says right is right, or wrong is wrong if everybody does it, and right is right if nobody does it. Sometimes God will put you in those situations where he is proving you, he is, he is maturing you, he is testing you, and you have an opportunity to stand up and make a difference. But God has put you there for that purpose, and the Hebrew boys found themselves in such a strategic position where it seems like they weren't old enough, it didn't seem like they had enough experience, but yet they were the only ones God knew in that moment had the courage to stand. So they're standing here, and while they're standing, other people are watching, other people observing. Now, we note, take note of the people who told on them, but you have to understand there were some other people from the children of Israel who, who were sit, sitting there who had already bowed. And I imagine there was a little shame there too because somebody in there knew that they should be standing, yet they were bowing. They knew that they should be taking a stand with them, but yet they were bowing. They didn't have the courage to take the stand. And I want to encourage somebody right now. First of all, I want to encourage those who, who, when you take the stand, baby, don't worry who's with you. Don't worry who stands with you. You have to have the courage of your conviction. You have to listen to what God has told you. And to the others, I say to you, don't allow anybody, don't allow feeling isolated. Don't worry about what other people are doing because they bowed because they saw other people bow. But I came to remind you that you're, you're a holy nation. You are a peculiar people. You've been called out of darkness into the light. You don't always stand in places of convenience. 
You don't always stand in, in places that are, that are popular. Every now and then, you're going to take an uncomfortable and unpopular stance because that's what God requires of us. He requires us to stand out on faith even when we don't see it. But what, he, what does he do? He sends us evidence because faith is the substance of things. Hope for the evidence of things that we do not see. When I thought about this, and they're, they're standing here, and then as we go through the text, when Nebuchadnezzar is informed of their stance, he calls them before them, and he's like, okay, guys, maybe you got confused. Maybe you didn't understand the process. And then he goes to them, and he says to them in verse 15, he says, now, if you are ready. He said, maybe, maybe you didn't understand. You're a little young. You're a little naive. Maybe you just maybe you didn't hear the horns. Maybe you were talking. Maybe you're a little distracted. Or really, what he's really saying is, you didn't understand the consequences of what you're doing. And he's saying, now let me lay out the consequences. And maybe if you understand the consequences, you'll bow down. Once you understand the consequences, so they, he he explains and lays out the consequences to them and says, now if you are ready. Why don't you go ahead and bow? But the Hebrew boys said something that, 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 is, that we need to adopt, something that we need to add to our conversation, something that we need to add to our vocabulary and dialogue with our problems, with our storms, and even with the devil. He lays out the consequences. He said, you will immediately be thrown into the burning, fiery furnace. And then, of course, this is where he messed up. He challenged them and said, who is the God? That will deliver you out of my hand. Who is the God? That was the key phrase in his threat. It's because all of a sudden, instead of addressing the threat to the Hebrew boys, he started addressing it to God. I need you to get that. That, 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 that is the very impetus of this text. It's not that he's saying, I'm, yes, I'm threatening to throw you in the fiery furnace, but I'm not just challenging your, your will. I'm not just challenging your fortitude or your persistence, but I'm challenging your God. Because I'm saying once you're in my hands, who is this God that's going to deliver you out of my hands? And imagine the Hebrew boy said, you don't even realize how you just messed up. You don't, don't realize what, what, what you just did. Because then when they respond, they said, we have no need. I like how the English Standard Version puts it here. It says, we have no need to answer you in this matter. The reason we don't have a need to answer you in this matter is because you didn't address the letter to us. <laughs> You didn't address the threat to us. You addressed the threat to God. And because you addressed the threat to God, our God, who is continuously able, will, will, he will deliver me. He will deliver me. Not, not only because I'm special to him, but, but, but because you have addressed the issue to his child. And because you've addressed the issue to his child, now you have to deal with him. I need you to get, let me help you deal with it. Uh, if you go to the Smoky Mountains and you're out in Gatlinburg and you see a little baby 
cub bear and you think it's cute and you're going to pet it, let me explain something to you. The little cub might let you pet it, but somewhere nearby is that cub's mama. And that mama is not going to understand you laying your hands. Oh, come on. I wish I were were here. It's not going to understand you laying your hands on on their child as she's coming for you. And, And she's coming for you in a violent manner. Because she doesn't want you to put your hands. I wish I had some mamas in here. She wants you putting your hands on, on, on her child. So when Nebuchadnezzar begins to threaten the Hebrew boy, the God said, "Hold on, man. Oh no, hold on. Oh, they said, I, I, the Hebrew boy said, I, you, you, you don't understand our father is here. Oh, you don't see him. Uh, uh, he, he sits high, but he looks low. You don't, you don't, you don't, you don't see him. Uh, he, he, he's omnipresent. He's in the, every place. You, he's so high that you can't get over him. So low, you can't get under him. So wide, you can't get around. He, his, head, his head is yet in heaven, but his feet, yeah, still in hell. Wherever you are, my God is right there. So when you threaten me, you know. You know, they like to clap it now. (laughs) Baby, let me explain to you. If you threaten me, it's not just me you're dealing with. But my God, I wish I had. My God is continuously. Somebody say able. My God, my God. I wish I had somebody in here who was going through something who say this with me. Say, my God is able. Oh, come on, say it like you mean it. Say, my God is able. Whatever I'm dealing with right now, my God is able. Somebody say, my God, he's able. And they said, I have confidence in this thing that because you challenged my God directly, and he said, he will deliver me out of your hands. Come on, say it with me. Say, he will deliver me out of your hands. Be careful if you try to touch me because you're not just touching me. You're touching me, but I'm also connected. Somebody say I'm connected. I am connected to my heavenly father. And when you lay your hands on me, you're laying your hands on him. When you disrespect me, you're disrespecting him. That's why David said I can go out here with my slingshot. I can go pick up a few stones. I don't care that he's nine feet tall because if he tries to put his hands on me, he's putting his hands on my God. And he said, and I know that my God is able. Somebody say able. My God is able. Somebody just say he's able. 
my God. He's able. Somebody needed to hear that this morning. I, I don't know what you're dealing with. I don't know what you're going through. But God's hoping to deliver you this message that he said, I'm able. there but I have to give you this God said you're not experiencing unnecessary pain but I want you to know that you're like you're connected to me your pain is connected to what I'm doing in you oh your, 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 your pain is connected to what I'm doing in you. God told me to tell you this, you can't pray for the baby and not pray for the pregnancy. When you, when you pray for the baby, you're also pay, praying for the pregnancy because to get the baby, you, you have to be pregnant. So if, I, if I'm praying for the pregnancy, uh, mama, mama's to tell you that means I'm praying for morning sickness. I'm praying for Braxton Hicks. I'm praying for for labor pains because that's part of the pregnancy, which is connected. That pain is connected to the baby. My 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 wife. When she first got pregnant, her first pregnancy, and all, all women to tell you, your first pregnancy is a little different because you, you haven't been pregnant before, but, but you experienced some things that you didn't know before. My wife, when she first got pregnant, her, her friend, Sister Yolanda, she was friends with her. She told her she was pregnant before she even realized. She started experiencing symptoms. And then her mother, who knows her, who had experienced similar symptoms, before she ever got a blood test, before she ever took any other test, she said, I'm letting you know you're pregnant. You know why? Because she recognized the pain. She didn't see the baby, but she recognized the trial. She recognized the storm, and she understood that the storm and the trial was connected to the child it was connected to the baby so I'm trying to explain to somebody this morning your pain is not unnecessary but your pain it is connected I can't pray for God to take me to another level without praying for the process that gets me there so when I'm praying for the baby when I'm praying for the blessing I'm also praying for the pregnancy and you know something that's interesting? And I'm, I'm finished. I'm going to leave you with this. One thing that happened, especially with my twins, when, when my wife was pregnant with the twins, sometimes it'd be two or three in the morning. And my wife was so little, sometimes when they started moving, you could literally see their, their joints in her stomach. You could see the elbows. 
It seemed like two or three in the morning, they get busy and they start kicking. They start kicking and I, and I could put my hand on her stomach and I could just feel them rumbling and moving around. And as painful as it was for my wife, it was also special because it made me realize that what was in her is real. What was in her is alive. What was in her was on its way. And the way I knew it is because she was getting kicked. And in fact, the doctor will tell the mothers, mothers know this, the doctors will tell you, you should anticipate feeling the baby kick you. And if you don't, then there's a problem. Because for everything to be right, every now and then, you're going to get kicked. So the mother getting kicked is evidence that what God said is coming is on its way. So in other words, when you're pregnant, when you're expecting, get this, the problem is when you're not getting kicked. If you're not getting kicked, that's a problem. If, if, the, if the mother doesn't feel the baby moving, then she goes to the doctor. So getting kicked is normal and not getting kicked is the problem. So when the Bible says, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial that should take you as though some strange thing is, has happened to you. I shouldn't be concerned when I'm getting kicked. I should be concerned when I'm not. But every time I'm, I'm getting kicked, that's evidence to me that what God has in me, I wish I wish y'all were in what God has, has, has implanted in me, what, it, it, it's growing, it, it's still there. And I came to tell somebody this morning, you feel kicked, but God's just letting you know that's evidence. Oh, the kick, oh, oh, the kick, the kick is evidence. Somebody say that with me, say the kick is evidence. It's evidence of what God is trying to do in your life. It's evidence that you're on track with your purpose. It's evidence that your blessing is on the way. So then Paul put it this way because I took you around the corner to get here. Paul said, therefore, I glory in my infirmities. Oh, I glory in getting kicked because when I'm getting kicked, what I'm going through that's evidence that God is working something greater oh shy. he's working something greater in me and I, and I don't understand it and I don't I don't see it but thank God you know what I start doing you don't know what the mother starts doing Ooh, thank God for a kick <laughs> thank God that he's kicking and as Christians we have to have that same attitude thank God they lying on me Thank God they're talking about me behind my back. Thank God for the adversity that I'm going through because those kicks are evidence that God is yet working. God is yet working in me. So I, 
came to tell somebody again this morning, you can stand to your feet. Your pain is connected. God is working something powerful in you. And because it's connected, because I understand the purpose of the pain, then you know what? That helps me trust God because my pain is connected. I'm not suffering this for no purpose. I'm not going through for no reason. But it is connected to what God is trying to do in my life. Anybody feeling kicked this morning? I said, are you feeling kicked? Are you feeling pushed? Are you feeling kicked? I'm letting you know, God say, that's just my evidence to let you know I'm with you. Evidence to let you know that whatever I promise you is still coming. It's still on the way. So I say to my storms, I say to my trials, keep on kicking. To my enemies and to my haters, just keep on kicking. To those who might be working against me, just keep on kicking. Because every time you kick me, that lets me know that I am on track with what God has for me. Come on, put those hands together and give God some praise. Give God some praise on this morning. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you, Lord, for your word that comes to encourage and instruct us, Lord. Your, her, your word that comes to encourage our interdependence, Lord. Not that we're depending on ourselves, but we're depending on the power that is working in us. Your spirit that is working through us. Strengthen us, Lord, even on this week, Lord. As we feel the kicks, let us be reminded of the evidence of what you're working in us. Let us be encouraged and like Paul, give glory even in our infirmities. Because you know, we know that you're working something greater in us. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, put those hands together and give God some praise. For those who've been watching us virtually, we pray that you have been blessed by what you've heard. And we pray that you live by faith and expectation until we shall see you again. I hope and pray that each of you were touched and inspired by our service today. If you wish to partner with us, you can do so by Give a Fire. Download the app on Apple Store or Google Play and search for Bright Temple. If you wish to partner with us on Cash App, just look for Bright Temple in the two line. And in the four line, tell us the purpose of your gift. If you would rather mail your gift, you can mail us at Bright Temple, Post Office Box 453, Shelbyville, Tennessee, 37162. Thanks in advance for your generosity. And we pray God's blessings on you and your gift.